What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. Unless you live under a rock, you have probably already heard that Kirk Franklin cussed out his son. And I realize there's a lot of commentary to be had. Should Christians cuss? Should gospel artists cuss? Should we learn how to manage our emotions? What did Kirk Franklin's son do? Does Kirk Franklin cuss all the time and just got caught? Why would you record somebody that you love cussing? Do they need to get family counseling? All these questions that probably surface on somebody's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or even in conversations that you might be having with your friends and loved ones. What this brought to the surface for me was the triggering conversations that I have had with my parents, and in particular, my mother, who tends to know how to push my buttons. And I'm not going to incriminate her by saying that she has Kirk Franklin to me or not. But I do realize that there are some triggers that I tend to always fall into that deep hole of aggressive response to. And so what I realize is that I have to make some changes and I have to think thoughtfully about how I might respond when someone who is triggering me is doing it with intention. So I thought about all the triggering conversations that I've had. I thought about the things that trigger me. Um, I thought about times when I have been in the driving seat triggering someone else. And I realized that there are, I'm going to say, four reasons why people might engage you in a triggering conversation or trigger you. Number one, they want to manage your focus. So... If they know that you are focused and they know that the thing that gets you off focus is the thing that triggers you, that it makes sense for them to mention that to you. So that they know you're, let's say they know you're sensitive um, about your parenting. And so um, when they are trying to trigger you, um, if they mention something about you um, not being a good parent or they challenge the way that you make decisions around parenting. Number two, they're simply trying to trigger you because they want to hurt you, right? That's the bottom line. They're saying things with the intention of getting a reaction from you, and they want you to do the things that hurt people do as a response to their their triggering. Number three, especially in the case of Kirk Franklin, they trigger you to expose you. And so it's clear that um, Kirk Franklin's son um, triggered him to the point where he knew that one of Kirk Franklin's ways of responding is using choice language that he doesn't think aligns with who Kirk Franklin is or who people think Kirk Franklin is. So he's going to expose him by turning on his recorder as soon as he triggers him to a certain level in his response. And then finally, 
to divert to divert attention from oneself. So people, um, rather than facing what they did or their responsibility or being accountable to how they contributed, they trigger you so that it can become about something else and take the attention off of what it is that they did or the role that they may have played. So that is to manage your focus, to hurt you, to expose you, or to divert attention away from themselves. So this podcast is called Season with Salt for a reason. I believe that no matter what we are experiencing in the world, we can apply God's word to it. So what I want to propose to you is that there are three ways to handle triggering conversations, and each of these ways is founded by scripture. I want to introduce to you Ephesians 6 and 4. That's Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the first the fourth verse. It says, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So um, the first thing that we can do to redirect triggering conversations is not to provoke people. In this particular scripture, Paul is trying to teach the church at Ephesus that there is provoking or triggering a child and then on the on the other side of provoking and triggering there is nurturing and building them up with the admonition or the words of the lord and so i know that that can be hard because somebody um, is doing something or their behavior is reflecting something that you don't like um, and you have to make a decision in that moment to apply god's word to their behavior can be very hard the way that we build um, a repetition for redirecting behavior is just by doing it and doing it and doing it. The other thing I would say is um, that prayer um, is key. And that leads me to um, my second point, which is founded in James 1 and 19, where um, the Bible tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And as I'm reading that, I realize that one of the ways to avoid wrath or to avoid anger is essentially to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so what that invites us to do is look at the process for which um, we implement to respond when we feel triggered. A lot of times um, we don't listen thoroughly to what someone is saying. And because we don't listen thoroughly to what someone is saying, we are moved by the things that trigger us and we just begin to respond. And a part of uh, managing our emotions is listening um, to the point, not necessarily listening to respond, but listening to the point where we hear what that person is saying um, so that we can also hear the intent of what they're saying. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the intent of what the person is saying is positive. It means that sometimes once you come into the realization of the intent of what the person is saying, you can then make a wise decision about how you will respond. So if I know that your intention is to hurt me, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon with you and allow you to hurt me because I'm responding angrily to what you have said. And so that's that principle of uh, uh, from James 1 and 19, being quick to listen. That means being 
um, uh, excited or, or, or being um, positioning ourselves to listen first um, and then being slow to speak. It is okay to pull yourself away from conversations that you know what the outcome will be if you speak when you are most um, triggered, right? And so sometimes it's best to say, this is not a good time to have this conversation. I'm going to have this with you later. Or can I have some time to think about this? Or I need for us to have this conversation face-to-face. Or it would be better for me um, if um, I have some time to think about how I might respond. I just want to listen to you now. Because if I respond to you, the conversation is not going to go in the direction that I think it should go. So that's an easy practice. The third thing, which I'm calling the, the model, right, which is founded in Galatians 6 and 1, um, it, 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 it says that if you um, catch your brother or your brother or sister or father or son or daughter or mother or whomever um, is caught in a fault, that your response should be that of the, a person who is meek and that in the process of your meekness, it should be powered by the fact that you are considering that it too could happen to you, right? And so um, when I am in a position where um, somebody does wrong, um, rather than trying to go um, to the full extent of proving that they are wrong or making them feel bad for the decision that they made, the Bible suggests in Galatians 6 and 1 that I reconcile you in the spirit of meekness. Well, what does it mean to be meek? It means to be quiet or gentle. Um, it means that you are um, submissive in the way that you respond. And, and what powers that? Not what they did or how they said it or whether they were right or wrong. What powers that is the empathy that goes along with the fact that that could be, you could be that person. You could be in the other shoes. And the thing that's important about empathy is that it's not really meant um, to be something that is necessarily fair, right? Because there are some things that you're going to empathize with that you might not identify with, right? Like, I don't know what it's like um, to, you know, um, be in an abusive relationship. And so if I'm in a relationship with someone who has been in an abusive relationship and I'm working to restore them or to reconcile with them, I have to do it in meekness considering what it would be like if I, if the shoe was on the other foot, right? And so if I'm kind of bringing together all of these sort of ideas that the scripture presents to us is that we should not provoke other people, number one. Secondly, we should be quick to listen and slow to speak to manage our anger, right? The Bible also tells us that, um, well, the Bible doesn't say don't be angry, but it, it, it says that in our anger, we should do everything that it takes not to sin, 
right? And so uh, if I am working not to provoke you, if I am managing my emotions when it comes to the way that I respond to triggers, and then if I am responding to you in meekness, considering my own self, then I am able to actually um, navigate a process of reconciliation rather than creating a conflict that just spirals out of control. So I just wanted to share that because I think that um, it's easy to talk about where other people fail. Like, I can't believe that Kirk Franklin cuss and he's this and that. But it also requires us to take a, take a look at um, times when our anger or our frustration has led to the point where we um, cannot control our emotions. I was reading an article um, on uh, Psychology Today website that entitled How to Spot Your Emotional Triggers. And the admonition that it provides, I think, is really thoughtful. Um, it says that when you are in the position to respond to people who are either like kicking at your emotional triggers, it says that you should do two things. The first thing is that you should always consider the person's intention, right? Why are they doing this? Why are they saying this? What's their purpose? And then second of all, you should own and understand your own pain because sometimes we're driven by our own pain and so we don't take into consideration what the other person's intentions are. The other person could have pure intentions, but because we've been triggered and we're driven by our pain, we just allow something to go to a place that it not, doesn't necessarily have to go. And so this article suggests um, that we need to be comfortable with feeling and accepting our emotions, but we also need to learn new ways to manage our emotions um, and to manage the way that we experience pain when we have been triggered. So I just wanted to share those things because I think that there's a way to um, experience and exist um, in conflict that doesn't have to escalate to the point where um, we lose control um, and then we are no longer just responsible for apologizing for what we did to enter ourselves into that conflict, but now we're responsible for apologizing to a whole bunch of people to save our career, to save our um, the, the way that people think about us, and so on and so forth. I just want to close by saying that um, maybe you're out there and you're like, oh, I'm going to cancel Kirk Franklin. I can't believe he did that. I think it's really important for us to think about when God's grace allows us um, to make a mistake and to be reconciled for the people who loved and needed us. And so I think we need to pray and ask God um, for um, empathy. Um, we need to um, remember what Galatians 6 and 1 says. Um, and then um, we also need to not be afraid to pursue um, a therapist or, or mental health professionals that can help us to work through things that have not been positive or that have been triggering in our life because the reality is is that if we don't work on building and strengthening ourselves through the things that trigger us, we will be creating cycles where we hurt people and we get hurt in the process. And so a part of healing is recognizing what our role is in situations, and then also owning how we 
um, make adjustments in how we fix situations that we may or may not have created. And so um, I wanted to I wanted to just share that, and I wanted to kind of vibe off some things that I was feeling. I kind of waited and thought and prayed about what I thought you know would be um, sort of thoughtful things to say. Um, and I hope that you got this far and you're not like, well, I thought he was going to talk about Kirk Franklin, so I'm done with that. But anyway, God bless you and take care.